Good morning, everybody. My name is Kathy Connor, and I'm one of the pastors here at First Pres. something I consider to be a huge privilege and a joy in my life. We want you to know that if you came in here this morning just so tired from the last week that you had, that we've been praying for you. And our prayer is that God would just reignite your soul and refresh you. We also want you to know that if you've been dealing with a lot of difficulty or you're discouraged in any way, that we've been praying for you as well. And that God would use this time to pour hope and encouragement into your heart. No matter how you came, no matter what you're dealing with this morning, I want you to lean into God's promise to you in Scripture. That as you draw near to God, God will draw near to you. That's what you can expect to happen in the next hour. So worship with that sense of expectation. Now, if you're new to First Pres, we are so glad you're here. And we want you to know that we would love to serve you in any way that we can. It would help us if you would fill out a Connect card. They can be found in the pews. You can scan the QR code that you see. You can access it on our website after worship. But all of that just enables us to connect with you so that we can love you, care for you, pray for you, and help you get connected into the life of the church. We just want you to feel right at home. Parents, online and in this room, we also want to remind you that this morning's message is about physical intimacy. So we want you to be able to decide how your sons and daughters will navigate at the end of this worship service during the sermon. We also know that for you online, this is the perfect opportunity for you to go and grab the elements you need for communion. It can be crackers, cookies, bread, juice, milk, coffee, whatever you have, just so that we can all share in communion together. I want us to pray together now, but I want to begin by asking you to just take a deep, deep breath. Would you do that? Would you take another deep breath? Yeah. The Lord wants to meet you in this hour. So as you close your eyes, you take a third deep breath. Let that breath out be you giving yourself to God. Drawing near to Him, inviting Him near to you. As you breathe in, breathe in His nearness. It's a fact. He is alive and present. He is sitting with you this morning. He is as near as your breath. Allow that truth to sink in. Oh God, there isn't a sweeter promise than us drawing near to you and you promising to draw near to us. Lord, we know that we need the very breath that you have given us, but we need more than oxygen. Father, we need soul breath. We need heart breath. We need all of that renewed by your 
Holy Spirit breathing new life into us, breathing new hope into our hearts, Father, breathing something we can't give ourselves. So help us, Jesus, to receive from you all that you want to give to us, everything you want to say to us in this hour, in the music, in the message, in the way that we are with each other. Help us to receive you fully and leave nothing on the table. Father, even as we draw near to you, we pray for those we know who don't know you, who don't know that you're real and alive. We give that person to you, Lord. Stir in them a desire, a hunger for you, Jesus. And Father, we pray for those we know and love who are struggling. We think right now about Jackie Faircloth. We ask, oh God, that you would breathe new life into her body, into her soul, into her heart, Father. We thank you that that's real and that she knows you are near, Lord. She reports that that's true. Father, we pray for Jennifer Cheryl. We ask, oh God, just that you would be with her family in the loss of Jennifer a few months ago. But as they gathered to celebrate her life yesterday, Lord, that sorrow is deep and wide. Her sons are grieving. Lord, we ask for your grace over this family and the family of Kevin Lang, who celebrated his life yesterday as well. Bless the friends and all those who have loved these two so much. And God, we ask for your healing grace over our friends who need physical healing. Jim Canali. Jamie Atkinson, Hank Floyd, Jerry Denny, Portia Young. Lord, bless them. Breathe on them the breath of life. Thank you, God, as we give ourselves to you expectantly waiting to hear from you this morning. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Please stand. Let's worship together.
During our staff meeting this week, we had an amazing conversation about God's perspective on giving. And we were intrigued by a Christian writer that said in scripture, God just comes out and tells us why he gives us more money than we need. It's not so that we can find more ways to spend it. It's not so that we can indulge on ourselves or spoil our children. It's so that we can give generously. And so when God gives us more money than we need, we often think, wow, what a blessing. Yeah, it is. But it's also just as scriptural to think, this is a test. So here are five ways that you and I can continue to give back to God in the ways that he has so generously blessed us. So we're going to have a huge, huge celebration on Sunday morning, September 12th, right here in this sanctuary. We're going to celebrate everything that God has done in the past since we were founded in 1884. And we're also going to celebrate how God is leading us into a new future and how he wants to work in and through us to reach the community with the love of Jesus. And on that Sunday morning, after we celebrate and worship, we're going to open these doors right here, and you're going to be able to enter into a delicious feast 
It's going to be a blast, and you are going to want to save the date. Sunday, September 12th. Wait, what's going on here? Hey, tech team, tech team, I'm getting some really weird sound interference. Sorry, sorry guys, just a second. Are you getting it too? This is so strange. I'm hearing the voice of a woman. It's like nonstop in my ear. It's, she's singing. She won't stop. Are you hearing this? This really weird interference. I apologize. I don't think it's going to let up, y'all. I think we need to let this thing play out. I'm playing in VBS. I'm sure you know exactly why I'm here. When July rolls around, you know where I'll be found. And I need 25 of you this year. You can go eat snacks or maybe arts and crafts. But that's okay if that's just not your thing. Give Science Lab a try. I promise you won't die. Or games where there's never injuries. But don't tell my heart that you won't play a part. I just don't think you'd understand. Volunteers are a must, or VBS is dust. So sign up now, yes, that is my command. Kids, go ask your mom, or even ask your pa. We'll take grandma's aunts and uncles too. Teens, recruit your friends for fun that never ends. You'll even get a volunteer break room. I'm begging on my knees, come any day you please. Just make sure to sanitize your hands. Food and drinks are free, you get to hang with me. Plus you get to sing along and dance. But don't tell my heart that you won't play a part. I just don't think you'd understand. Volunteers are a must, or VBS is dust. So sign up now, yes, that is my command. You don't tell my heart that you won't play a part. I just don't think you'd understand. Volunteers are a must, or VBS is dust. So sign up now, yes, that is my command. You I just don't think you'd understand. Well, if you tell my heart, tell me in my heart. I mean, that is an earworm of a song, is it not, y'all? Howdy! Hey! Oh, my goodness. Thank you. Thank you so much to my cousin, Billy Sue. Some people say we look alike, but uh, I'm just not seeing it. Oh, goodness gracious. Well, hey, y'all. I am Cowgirl Callie, and I just can't wait to join you here at First Press BBS, Faithful Frontier. I hail all the way from the great state of Wyoming. I knew you knew that from my accent. Yes, yes. And I'm coming here July 12th through the 16th to manage some rascals. In fact, it's full of little rascals. There's going to be over 100 cowboys and cowgirls running around here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, y'all are clapping though, but y'all aren't here, some of you, okay? Now, now what I'm telling you is there's over 100, but they're going to be horsing around. They're going to be playing around. They're going to go all sorts of crazy, okay? It reminds me of those days back on the ranch. 
And when my daddy, he used to have to wrangle all those bulls and cows. The only way to keep them in line was get his rope, and with a little turn of his wrist, he had everybody in line. So I think I need to use this as a tool for VBS, right? I mean, cows are different than children, but, but you know, when things go awry, I don't want to let any of them escape out to pasture. Do y'all think y'all could help me? Just give me 20 seconds to see if I can rope this. Does that say roll tide? We definitely, we got to get this baby wrangled. Okay, so when I say go, I'm going to cue some music, and I need y'all to cheer me on. I got to rope this baby, okay? All right, hold on. Now, I don't know what's going on over here. I'm sorry. Ask for forgiveness later. That's what I learned. Okay, I'll put this down. VBS is a little more successful than my lassoing skills, but I do think, Fitz, do you think you could give it a try? Come on, don't put that horse back. Little band guy, thank you for your help. I'll talk to you later. All right, hopefully Fitz can do this better than me, okay? All right, I want you to try to wrangle that guy. Just like, I mean, that, that thing. Oh, no, we didn't get the lucky lasso music. No, I want you to do the real thing. Come on now. All right, let's cue Fitz's lucky lasso music. He's got 20 seconds. Now come stand down here, you know, go like this. I know you can do it. Let's go. Come on now. Woo! Wait a youngsters and I hope that you can join me one day two days whatever Billy Sue said just do what she says you don't want to get on her bad side so I will see you here sign up to volunteer if you haven't done so or just send your baby to us we can't wait thank y'all so much bye Hard to follow that up right there, right?
place, taking our place, and being our Savior.
Good morning. Really awesome to be with you this morning. And we, we have been, and now for the third week, in a book called A Song of Solomon. And this is a book, friends, about our love life. And when I say love life, I mean love life. And so parents, here's what's going to happen. We're going to talk about human intimacy. And if your child is ready to hear what's going to be some really good and important stuff, then they need to stay in the room and participate. If you, your kid is not ready for this yet, then now you have a chance to go and do something else with them, get them busy doing something else, and then come back. And while parents are doing that, here's what we wanted also to make sure you knew what's coming next week and for a few weeks after that. We're calling it Onward and Upward. We're going to take a look at a man in the Bible way back in the first book, Genesis. His name is Joseph. And what we're going to see is that Joseph had all kinds of difficulties, pain, storms that were unnavigable, etc. And you and I are going to be able to see that in his life, like in our lives, God leads us onward, which is to say forward, and God leads us upward, which is into forever. God helps us to discover how we can keep moving, and God also helps us to see how we fit into God's big, huge, gigantic plan that lasts forever. So we're going to go onward and upward. We're going to start that next week. But back to the Song of Solomon. So yes, friends, this is what we're going to do today. You ready? We're going to talk about how to have great sex. You can laugh. It's okay. When I was in college, all over the campus, signs. The man's name was Josh McDowell. How to have ultimate sex. And it was 8 o'clock on a Tuesday night. The gym was packed. Students showed up. But he, he said... The same thing way back when I was in school, basically, that I'm going to say today. We're, we're going to see that God wants us to have great sex, but there are going to be a couple of things that God's going to really want to make sure are in place first. Here's the, one of the things we need to understand. Whose idea was this? Who made you the way you are? Who made me? God is thinking, I'm going to make me a universe. And then God says, I'm going to inhabit this planet with human beings and I'm going to make them so that they're going to like it. God made this inside us. God made us the way we are intricately bound us together with all of this ability to have this phenomenal enjoyment that we call human sex and God wants it to be great and that's what we're going to talk about. But here's, well, I, I want to make sure we understand this. I, what I'm going to say this morning is for people who are Jesus followers. This is the way that we're being taught about what God wants, our best, God's best. But this is for Jesus followers. If, if you're not a Jesus follower and you're here with us today online or in the room and you're just curious, great. And what you're going to hear me talk about is how God has designed us and built us and how God wants to take care of us and make sure this is all really great. But you, you might walk away saying, I really am not obligated in any way with that. And I get it. You're not. But for Jesus followers, I want you to understand I'm giving you the best I can give you. Nothing new that I'm coming up with. It's just what God teaches us about how to do this and how to do it well and who he wants us to be. He wants us to have great sex. But we have to start with a redefinition of great. Are you ready for this? God has redefined great for us, and we hear it a couple of different ways. We hear it in the words of Jesus. Mark chapter 10, verse 43. Look carefully at what Mark says. 
whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Great sex is about serving. It's not about me. It's about you. It's about the other. Serving that person. So we're redefining great, but we're also doing this. We're saying that for the followers of Jesus, this happens in the context of marriage. And we hear about that from the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 5. He gives us his way of talking about how married people can love each other well, including physical intimacy. And he says this, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Submit to one another. Submit to one another out of reverence, out of a holy, uh, almighty God, kind of knowing that God is the awesome God that he is. We do for each other, and we're doing it in obedience. We, another way of saying this is serve each other out of reverence. Now, you may not be used to thinking about your, your sexual life in this kind of category, but I want you to know something. It's about God. It's about saying hallelujah. It's about being, it's about celebrating. This is good stuff. God made us this way, and God wants us to celebrate it. And this poem that we're going to read is a huge celebration of it. A couple of metaphors that can help us. Let's start with the first one. This is a metaphor about men, and you're going to have to, it's just going to be an imaginary chart. I'm going to draw it for you. Ready? This is about men and their sex drive. You with me? Here it starts this way. This is the chart, and this is imaginary. Here is birth. And here the little boy gets born. He comes about here. Begin right here, adolescence. Here comes the sex drive. You with me? Now, let's make our way just across the decades. Slowly, maybe, maybe just infinitesimally small decrease. And we get out here, and you know what happens next? Death. There we are. That's really important that we remember that. Men are like microwaves. One switch, bam, we're on. Okay, let's go. Women, crockpots. Takes all day, but the pot roast gets cooked. I'm kind of sweating up here. <laughs> it's going to get worse before it gets better. had the conversation with my best friend about what I'm about to say. What if God made men and women with the sex drive like men? Oh, it'd be bad. Here's what would happen. There would be 22 billion human beings on the planet, and no one would have a job. There'd be no schools. We'd be wearing animal skins for clothes, and we'd live in caves because the only thing would happen, we'd go, oh, man, that was fun. We'll do it again. Yeah, sure, bam. And we'd have kids everywhere. If God knew what God was doing, if every single person had the sex drive of a woman, there'd be 144 of us. <laughs> Just having a little fun. But we, we're different. And it really matters that we pay attention to the differences. And so in this book, it's unbelievable. It's poetry. The Song of Solomon. Now, one of the things about poetry is this. The narrative way of telling a story is, well, I got up this morning and my alarm clock went off and I had my coffee and I got in my car and I drove down to the church. That's narrative. Poetry is inviting us to experience something. 
good poetry draws you in, so you're not necessarily cognitively understanding as much as maybe you're also experiencing it. And this poetry, this Hebrew poetry, is experiential. So we're going to read it, and we're going to read it together, and I'm going to make some comments about it. Uh, remembering that God designed you and me to enjoy this kind of intimacy with each other in the context of marriage. So we're in the Song of Solomon, chapter 4. Here's what happened in chapter 3. In chapter 3, the first few verses, this man and this woman were, were dating each other exclusively and really getting close to realizing that they wanted to be married. The second half of chapter 3 is the wedding ceremony. Guess what we have now? Honeymoon. You ready? I want you to experience a little bit of the way that God has designed us to make this thing that we are really beautiful. This is the man speaking to the woman. How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes behind your veil are doves. Now, some men might think, come on, dude, you can come up with some better lines than that. But listen carefully. This is Hebrew poetry that's very, very ancient. And what the man is saying is that he's treating her gently and adoring her. And he, notice where he started at the top. And he's looking at her and he's complimenting her and he's being drawn into her presence. And he's beginning with respectful gentleness and admiration of her beauty. Your hair is like a flock of goats descending from the hills of Gilead. Now, that's really lost on us. But here, here's why this is so powerfully provocative. Women in this ancient culture kept their hair up. He's let it down. She has let down her hair. She's inviting him into intimacy. You may remember the story of Jesus and the woman who comes into a room where there are men having a meal and she's been so loved by Jesus and so healed by Jesus that she falls at his feet and lets her hair down and dries his feet from the tears with her hair. It blew the minds of the religious leaders because it was so provocative. And so here, in this, this couple, they're married, these two are, and they are off on their honeymoon to be together. Your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn coming up from the washing. Each has its twin. Not one of them is alone. She has all her teeth. That means she's not from Mississippi. <laughs> they're, they're clean. Do you know how, how, why we know that it's people in Mississippi that invented the toothbrush? Because if they'd been from anywhere else, it'd be the teeth brush. It's so just a joke. You could use any state. You could. <laughs> he's at no, again, friends, he's still at her head. Okay, that's going to change because the, 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 he's going to progress as he describes her beauty. Your lips are like a scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is lovely. So he's gazing into her eyes, perhaps touching her cheeks, looking at her. He's going to kiss her, but he hasn't yet. He's just describing the beauty of her mouth. Your temples behind your veil are like the halves of a pomegranate. I take that to mean that, that she's, her cheekbones are flushed. 
Your neck is like the Tower of David built with courses of stone. On it hang a thousand shields. All of them are the shields of warriors. I think what this means is that she's strong. I don't, don't take it literally as somebody with a real un, un, unfortunately long neck. I don't think that's it at all. I think he's talking about strength of character. Now their clothes are coming off. They're going to be naked. You know what naked means, don't you? Naked means you don't have any clothes on. You know what naked means, don't you? You ain't got no clothes on and you're up to something. Those are my only two jokes. No more jokes. Your breasts are like two fawns, like twin fawns of the gazelle that browse among the lilies. What's the poetic meaning of that? I'm just telling you what it means to me. He wants to cuddle gently with her. He wants to touch her like you touch an, an infant deer, gently but lovingly. Until the day breaks and the shadows flee, I will go to the mountain of myrrh. You know what this is. And to the hill of incense. Now we're getting anatomically graphic. These two people have no clothes on, and here they go. And look at verse 7. You are altogether beautiful, my darling. There is no flaw in you. Oh, listen carefully to this, my friends. Men, listen carefully. Women, listen carefully. You want your romance to be right there in that bedroom. You don't want romance somewhere else. You want it all in there. And women, you're getting blasted with imagery all over your life in every possible way, telling you that unless you look like that, Your man is looking at you and he's saying, you are flawless. And he wants to be with you. And he tells you, they're talking. We talk to each other when we're intimate. We tell each other what we're thinking and feeling. And she is flawless. Oh, men, she needs to know that. She needs to know that she's captivating to you. Period. Don't let her think for a minute that someone else is captivating. And the stuff about the physical stuff and be in the surface and how we look and how we're built and all of that, hey, it changes, doesn't it? Doesn't it change? We get men, we get to be about 35 and we get daddy bodies. We change, our bodies change, and that's not what this is about. He looks her in her eyes that are like doves and her her, her skin is flushed with desire, and he's cuddling and caressing her body, her whole body, tenderly, lovingly. Obviously, he's, he's got to be extremely aroused about what's going on, and he knows in his heart that she's the one he wants to be with. She is flawless. Communicate that to each other. It's so powerful. God made us this way to enjoy each other. This next slide has a, come, come with me from Lebanon, my bride. Come with me from Lebanon. Descent, descend from...
from the crest of Amana, from the top of Samir, the summit of Hermon, from the lion's dens and the mountain haunts of leopards. I think what this is is his promise to protect her from danger because these are places where some troubling stuff is going on. I think he's inviting her into the safety of their home together. You've stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. You've stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How delightful is your love, my sister, my bride. How much much more pleasing is your love than wine? Friends, they are consummating their marriage. They are fully open to each other. They have, in God's way of looking at things, marriage is one plus one equals one. And that's what's happening here. This is a celebration, a poetic yahoo about what it means for me and you to be intimate with our husband or our wife. How delightful is your love more pleasing than wine and the fragrance of your perfume more than any spice. Your lips drop sweetness as the honeycomb, my bride. Milk and honey are under your tongue. They're kissing intimately. The fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. You are a garden locked up, my sister, my bride. You are a spring enclosed, a sealed fountain. He calls her her sister, his sister. She's his best friend. This is deep romantic intimacy made possible by God and enjoyed in the context of this deep vow they've made to each other to be married people. And on we go with more provocative language. Your plants are an orchard of pomegranates with choice fruits, with henna and nard, nard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon and every kind of incense tree with myrrh and aloes and all the finest spices. Wow. Every possible way to take this act of physical intimacy with all that's going on and fragrance and shape and feel and describing it in this powerful poetic way. That's what's happening here. We're celebrating human lovemaking. You are a garden, a fountain, a well of flowing water streaming down from Lebanon. This is the man speaking. She speaks back. Awake, north wind, and come south wind. I think that's the way of saying perhaps the winds from the north in Israel perhaps had storm in them. Perhaps the winds from the south were gentle and more dry and hot. Somehow, he's just making wind in her life, in her experience. He's bringing everything. Blow on my garden that its fragrance may spread everywhere. Is that not obvious what this is about? Profound intimacy and a celebration of it. Let my beloved come into his garden and taste his choicest fruits. She invites him in. He speaks back. I have come into my garden, my my sister, my bride. I've gathered my myrrh and my spice. I've eaten my honeycomb and my honey. I've drunk my wine and my milk. And look at this last line. This is so cool. Somehow friends comment on what's happening. They say this. Eat, friends, and drink. Drink your fill of love. In a culture that does very little to help people stay married, the brothers and sisters who are followers in Jesus encourage each other in our lives of sex. Drink and have your fill. What we're saying to each other is be intimate with each other and have a lot of sex. That's what we're saying. Friends, this is a poem. You know what it means? Have more sex. 
I want you to go home and have more sex. That's what, that's what God is saying to us. Have more. Now, some people are a little bit more reserved. Others are more adventurous. It, it doesn't, that's not gender-driven. Here's what I'd say to you who are a little bit more reserved. Step out on a limb a little bit. If you're adventurous, tap the brakes. Bring him or her along. Have more. Drink your fill. In this deep one plus one plus one relationship that God builds in the protection, the security, the vulnerability, the safety of marriage. And here we are enjoying all the great gifts of God in marriage. Romance, best friend. We're physically, we're emotionally, we're relationally, we're spiritually made into one. And it's the gift of God to be celebrated. And that's this profound encouragement we have from this book. It's about our love life. Jesus followers, enjoy the gifts of God. Build your life so that you can be a person who looks around, finds the person, if you're not married or if you're single again, look around, find the person who seems to be running life about the same pace you are and start hanging out with them. And so what you do is you pursue and your relationship progresses, at some point you propose, that's it. That's what we do. If you're a married person, pick up your pace of romance. Pick up your pace of trust. Pick up your pace of vulnerability. Talk more. Be better friends. Serve the other to be great in marriage. And we have been served, have we not? This is Jesus who gave his life for you and for me. And so I step down to the table to remind us of what we do here. We celebrate human intimacy this morning. We also celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ here at this table. So when he was teaching people about what was going to happen to him on Thursday night, he broke bread. He said, this bread is my body. It's being broken for you so you can live forever in my presence. And he also took a cup, which would have been there at that meal, the cup would have had wine in it. This is all grape juice. He said, this cup, this is my body being broken for you and my blood being spilled for you so that you can have life forever. Married life forever. Single life forever. Whatever your life is forever. You can live close to me forever and your life will have profound meaning. So when we eat this bread and drink this cup, we say, I surrender to your best for me, God, particularly in our marriages this morning. So come now, my friends, as the ushers invite you how to come forward. Eat, drink, and when you do it, surrender yourself to the good God who loves you. Take one of these, return to your seat, and then I will remind us of the meaning of it. We'll all take the, the bread and the wine together.
challenged and we feel connected and gracious God we also celebrate there's so much goodness in your world and the way you've made it and you have such great good things for us help us to live the way you built us help us to be the kind of people that you built us to be thank you gracious God that you give us each other in this relationship of human intimacy thank you gracious God that you made us this way and you want us to enjoy it you want us to fill our lives with love all of this celebration, gracious God, because of your son Jesus who lived and healed and taught and loved and he died and he lived again. And because of that, we have new life flowing within us. Help us to be people that serve one another and in so doing, honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, let me invite you to stand as the band gives us what we're calling an outro for us to get one last reprise of some music as we leave here as people ready to go and love really well.